You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. And my name is Rob. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode, which is number 983. So glad that you can hang out with us today. It really means a lot to us. We appreciate it. It does mean a lot to us. It also means that we are 17 episodes away from 1,000 episodes. Wow. Yeah. Wow is an understatement. Um, If you want to send us a little 1,000 ode to the episode, uh, please leave us a review Subscribe or do us a favor and share the show. I saw how many shares that new show got this weekend, Rob, and it was actually incredible. So very interesting. Good info. And I think you and I have a nice rapport. We do. Seems to be working well. There's something about the whole Scottish, Norwegian, Netherlands thing, you know? This is me. The connection. Me, the Scot, him from the Netherlands. There's just something about that. Seems to be working. It's it is magical. <laughs> Not to mention some good information. Yeah, um, it it is interesting though seeing the response this week from uh, the two different sides of the aisle on the FAA. Uh, you know, kind of having a de facto temporary ban on controlled airspace flights, and it's interesting because uh, I just I ha- I've seen a kind of an uproar. You know, on the commercial side, like everyone's expecting the hobbyists to have a reaction, but I'm just not seeing the reaction on the hobby sides. It's just like, it's they don't care. They're not planning oh, on following the they, rules. They don't care because it's as if it didn't happen. Well, it, it's as if they didn't happen. And my next article, which will be coming out on Drone DJ, is we found out that this new de facto ban on controlled airspace flights for hobbyists actually has zero legal authority whatsoever. It even says that in the FAA document, by the way. So they're hoping people would agree that it's a good thing? I mean, what's the what's No, the they're thinking? trying to say, it's just really interesting because what they're trying to say is that, you know, hey, we are uh, essentially banning uh, flights in controlled airspace. Right. But in the same document, look, my article is still number one on Drone DJ site. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, here we go. The guidance provided in this notice is not legally binding in its own right and will not be relied on by the department or the FAA as a separate basis for affirmative enforcement action or other administrative penalty. Then what will? Then why is it there? I don't know, but it says regardless of whether you rely on the guidance in this document, you are independently required to comply with all existing laws applicable to the operation of unmanned aircraft systems. Conforming your actions with this guidance in this notice does not excuse or mitigate non-compliance with other applicable legal requirements. It's very interesting. I don't understand the point in that at all. I mean, I think that's like writing a paper that says... This paper has no legal standing as far as telling you to go. But you can't fly. 50 miles an hour. But you can't fly. But that doesn't mean that you have to, that you can't not comply with all the other speed limits that are already law. So thank you for telling me that. I'm, yeah. And granted, I've not dug into it, so maybe that's why I don't understand it. But that's odd. Didn't know that. 
Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of comments on this article. And one says, "I would say that while they may lack enforcement, this change adds a new layer of criminal liability. Should a hobby drone find its way into the path of a manned aircraft in controlled airspace, which is a very good point. That is a good point. Um, and then and someone else said, "Oh, sorry, go ahead." No, I was just gonna say, is that that variable, that piece of information being publicized because a lot of people might not even think in those terms, right? And so I think that's where the the meat comes from it is when you put those kinds of ideas in their minds, in any pilot's minds, so that they're aware of that and then that matters to them. Mm -hmm. Meaning that might be more so than the law itself is a point like that that might actually cause someone to think twice before flying in a place that they shouldn't. Does that make sense? Mm, sure. Okay. <laughs> I hope it makes sense to you guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's very interesting. Let's go ahead and move on in today's question as we have kind of very slowly started this episode, and that is my fault. Um, and I just let it happen. It's okay. It's one of those right. things. Um, but anyway, it's just really interesting to see the reaction as a whole. As you can tell, it is a slow Monday morning here. And uh, because the sun isn't out, the birds are not chirping. It is windy and cold. And as such, our attitudes are as well. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> we are chipper as if the sun is shining. True. And we love the cloudy days here in Albuquerque because there's not a lot of them. Are we ready to play the question? We are. Hi, my name's Brian. I work for an engineering firm. We do a lot of construction management and design for roadways, bridges, power plants, things of that nature. I've currently been using PIX4D for all uh, mapping and photogrammetry uh, applications, but become very frustrated with their outputs lately. Um, they actually don't put a DGN output uh, where that would be compatible with any type of CAD file. You'd have to go through a lot of third-party processing in order to convert that, and it's beginning very frustrating. I've recently learned about context capture and have been told, never been able to prove it, they have a more complicated and precise algorithms for photogrammetry. And they also put out the DGN format file that all surveyors and civil engineers would need for CAD files. I've never heard you talk about context capture, though. You seem to be pretty biased on PIX4D. Just wondering if there's a possible episode you could talk about uh, comparisons between Context Capture Picks 4D. I'm on the fence on both of them, and I'm starting to think that Context Capture might be the way to go. So uh, I'd love to hear your input, and you guys do great work, and I'll continue supporting you. Thank you. Brian, thank you so much. Really appreciate that last comment. That means a ton to us, and uh, this doesn't happen without that support. So thank you. And by the way, if you have a question like Brian did, go to askdroneu.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And... Uh, I know, so Paul, I'll just kind of help you out on this one because I know you haven't spent a lot of time with context capture, but I also know that you might have some insight into how to get a CAD file out of PIX4D, right? Yeah, this is this is kind of multiple questions here, um, and I understand that because there are always multiple questions to be asked uh, whenever it comes to things that are mapping-oriented. I am trying to pull up the mapping machine in the background so I can show it to everyone. Oh, it's mining again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oopsie! That that machine is always working. That, it, it if you have a mapping machine, maybe you should have yours mining as well. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. All right, we'll go ahead and shut the miner down for a second. All right, so he asked a great question. All right, so let's go ahead and and hit the Bentley versus for context uh, capture. Or you're going to hit Bentley first. Um, I believe they're one in the same. Oh, so, my bad. Okay. Um, 
Let me just double check. Bentley. It is. You're yeah, right. It is one and the same. So that being said, I have not used Bentley Context Capture, although I am aware that the 3D textured meshes from Context Capture are almost always better than Pix4D. You should pull up the pricing on that. Um, but that being said, I am planning on diving into Bentley's Context Capture uh, because I think it's something that is worth the investigation as far as speed, as far as accuracy is concerned. Anyway, long story short, I really have no experience with it, and I'm just kind of putting it out there. Um, I actually did download the program onto my machine where I intend on testing multiple data sets. We can obviously process some of the exercises and data sets from Pix4D themselves and throw them in there and see how long they take. And then we can throw some serious data at it as well. In fact, it would be really good to compare and contrast the Singleton Ranch uh, request a price quote. Okay, go ahead and request a price quote. Let's find out. Uh, frankly, I have not seen a lot of people using this program, so I really haven't gone to it myself. Again, it's great for visualization of data. I really haven't gone through the whole thing. Now, let's go back into the other question for today, which was, you know, you see a lot of people who want to create Alta surveys or uh, property uh, boundary line surveys and other things, and they obviously know that they can export a shapefile uh, via, you know, step three. But there's also something else that you can do. If you are in Pix4D, kind of like how I am right now, um, in fact, the beauty of you watching this episode on YouTube is that you can actually see what I'm doing. So if you're still listening to the show, thank you for the support. I do appreciate it. But now we have this beautiful thing where I can show you what I'm working on. So here we are inside of Pix4D. If I wanted to actually uh, draw my lines and whatnot for this particular boundary, if I wanted to make, let's say I wanted to create points along the edge of the field so I had an accurate calculation of that field. What I would do is actually very simple. I could come in and I can make my points a little bit bigger. Making your points bigger is always something that helps when you are trying to discern information. Okay, there we go. Make those points a little bit bigger. All right. Now I can actually see the edge of the field if I want to click and get the pictures for that particular point. I can then look at those pictures, blow them up, and then actually pick the edge of that sidewalk so I can get an accurate measurement. Then what I can do is I can go to GCP's MTPs. In fact, I can go to the manager. Here we go, GCP MTP manager. And what I can do is I can make manual tie points around the field. Then I can change those MTPs. So something that's important is if I click a GCP, right, click GCP number five, on the right-hand side, see it's showing me all the images that I actually physically picked that GCP. And then it says type 3D GCP. If I change that to a manual tie point and then click apply, that will show you that, okay, now it's a manual tie point. The only reason I would do that is just for showing you how to change a manual tie point through to a 3D GCP, not the other way around. Okay. So if I were to create an MTP here, I could literally create MTP, mark the MTP in six to 10 images. Typically, you want to do eight images. You want to pick the same spot over and over. 
Um, then I can, if I click this new button, see new tie point, I create that new tie point and see how it says type manual tie point. Mm -hmm. If I just change that to 3D GCP, then what I would do, I'm not going to save that. Then what I would do is go over here to GCP MTP manager and I would export all my GCPs as a CSV file. Okay. The reason that I would do this is that I could actually draw my lines in AutoCAD instead of drawing my lines inside of PIX4D. In fact, a couple experienced surveyors have told me that recently they no longer draw their lines inside of PIX4D. They do um, their line work elsewhere, but it's really company dependent. I'm seeing like 50-50 hmm. split pretty much on this. Some companies are doing their line work in PIX4D. Some of them are doing their line work as traditional means. Why wouldn't they do it in if it's already here. Sometimes it can be a lot easier to do it in AutoCAD, like significantly easier because okay. drawing lines from known points is gonna be easier than, you know, in order to draw a line, I have to create two manual tie points. I have to mark those manual tie points in eight images and then snap them together. So it kind of comes down to what the software was designed to do exactly. in the first place. Yeah. So you can do it here, but it's not ideal. True. So what I'm seeing is a lot of people at this GCP MTP manager, and what they do is they just, instead of, let's say that I'm building a house on this field, okay? Mm -hmm. And I need to know the boundaries of this field. So instead of drawing lines around the field to say, okay, here's the boundary of the land or whatever, mm -hmm. what I could do is just mark my points, one, two, three, four, and then I just export those points. Those points are geo-rectified based off of my GCPs that I already have. If you are drawing MTPs in a map that is not geo-rectified, you may have severe problems in accuracy as a whole. Okay. Um, I mean, you could really, really have some problems. So with that being said, you know, some people are like, well, why wouldn't you just pull points to begin with? And then you could just export those points into a CSV file and direct import into AutoCAD. Right. It's not always that easy. Sometimes you always want to have features. You want to actually verify the data set that you had previously to this data set. And again, having that visualization, that lifelike model mm -hmm. adds so much power to this data set as a whole. You know, you were just looking at it from the top and now you're looking at it as if you're sitting outside of Drone U looking yeah. at the field. And then here, you know, here's the actual field. So what I was trying to explain to some other surveyors and engineers is that instead of you just pulling points and and getting those points and creating whatever you need, now you have data sets that can actually be resold. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like even to the construction company as a whole, if you're you know doing this Alta survey, you, got, you do the survey and now you have the map wow. and the construction company is like, hey, do you guys have that information from before we started uh, building? Because we really want to show a stark contrast of what it looked like before and now after. And the surveyor's like, yeah, I do have that. And it'll be three grand. Right. <laughs> so yeah, there's a way to literally business. resell the data that you're, you're taking. Well, yeah. So, we know data in all forms is valuable. Yes, 100%. To a fault, but we won't get into that. No, we are definitely not going down that, <laughs> rabbit, trail to, that rabbit trail today. So in answering his question, um, how do I export to you know these different file types? I just I can't see on the... Um, on the big monitor where this little button is, processing, so processing options. Typically people go to step three, additional outputs, 
and they will raster out a shape file, the SH or the DXF file, right? The DSM to do their contour lines. But a lot of surveyors don't even want all that information. So what mm. they'll do is they'll literally create their MTPs all around wherever they need to draw boundaries and then change those MTPs to GCPs and export them as a CSV file and direct import into AutoCAD. Boom, problem solved. And that's a relatively painless process. I, yeah, that's really right. not that hard. I mean, yeah. I, if I can show it three different ways on the, what now, I'm doing on the show, you know. Sure. Now, of course, this is just a rectangle, so it's very simple. True. So there might obviously be some more complex scenarios. There will be. It's about as simple as it gets. Yeah. But nonetheless, that was a pretty straightforward process. So, like, if I were to open up the uh, Ghost Town project, can you imagine how long it would take to literally... Um, pull all of the points around all of these different buildings and then say, like, this is an accurate georectified, like, oh, I have to tell where the images are. Dang you. I'm not going to do this right now. Anyway, it would take a long time. So you're right. Size matters. Right. If I have a larger area, more complex geometry, mm -hmm. obviously it's going to be, you know, much more difficult to export or shoot all those points depending on the workflow that you go about it. But you also see the value in drone mapping when you have a complex structure with lots of points instead of physically going out and pulling those points. Right. You're taking one-tenth the time to just say point, 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 export. So Sure. So all this said, are you? do you have plans? Do we have plans to dive into Bentley? Um, we do. Um, okay. I, as you know, Rob, I'm one of those people that I like to dive deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper yeah, to so, almost a, a fault. <laughs> well, I don't think so. Not, not for what we're doing here at DroneU. I don't think it's to a fault at all. I think it's a necessity. So I just want everyone to know that that is a plan. But when you, when we say that that's going to happen, spend so much time and effort learning Pix4D and know it so well mm -hmm. that you want to achieve the same thing with anything else that you dive into and we need to make sure there are the resources and time to do that. True. Right. No, 100% so. true. Um, this is also a good time as well to showcase that um, Pix4D is having a user conference October 2nd and 3rd in Denver, Colorado. And if you want to learn the ins and the outs of Pix4D, um, it's a great, great, great conference because you are hearing it from the horse's mouth. I'm not talking about Pix4D. I'm talking about the people that are actually out there using, using it. it all the time. So it's it's something that's really, really exciting. Check out their conference. Just go to Pix4D.com um, and check it out. I think it's something that you're going to want to go to. In response to his, um, you know, I think your bias about Pix4D, I think it would be very easy to come to a conclusion that I'm biased about Pix4D. But I would say that I think it's the most seamless user uh, or GUI number one. Um, number two, it offers you, once you learn all the power, it offers you the most power. It's by far one of the most difficult ones to learn, but I think the other ones are even more difficult to learn if you want to know the truth. That being said, not only are we going to be diving into Bentley, but we're also going to be diving into Agisoft's new solution. Yeah, they just hmm. came out with a new solution, um, Metashape. So really excited to actually give those both a try. And I'm sure we're going to have some new information out, update all of our information. But you are right, Rob. My focus right now is getting these mapping classes to Drone U Elite. Right. So that means I'm writing new user manuals. And also, we are still in the process of all the uh, shift into the enterprise um, stuff for the website. So we are going to have a new enterprise membership, which is going to be really focused for businesses bringing drone pilots on board. And it's kind of like a hold-your-hand workflow. So maybe... Mm -hmm. 
maybe some regular members will like it too because it's literally going to be like, this is your navigation through the school. This is what you have to complete before you go on to the next class. And this is how you create a program out of nothing. So, Well, and and ultimately, some of these other software solutions for mapping are going to be important to that enterprise process, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to want to know that stuff. So. I think you're right. And I think, uh, you know, now that there's the P4RTK and the workflow is very different for it. um, Mm. I also think it's another benefit of not being the first to come out with an RTK precision surveying class because, you know, PIX40 and everyone is releasing new software by probably by the end of the summer that's going to change the workflow significantly. So I think there is value in waiting sometimes. There is. Yeah, that's just always going to be the nature of the biz is that they're going to be releasing. I mean, that's just software, right? That's nothing new. True. But uh, keeping up with that is is a lot of fun. It actually, for me, it is. So <laughs> it is. Um, cool. Well, I hope that helps Brian out. Um, I know that he's not getting the comparison per se that he would like, but he is getting some information on what to do with Pix4D to accomplish his goal that I think he will like. And the context uh, capture stuff will be coming out later. Yeah, definitely. Radio. Yeah, definitely be wanting to check it out. I understand if you're a surveyor and the Bentley system is already in your workflow that how you would want to use that. I will say that, you know, Bentley was one of the softwares that was tested in that white paper on the accuracy of these photogrammetry softwares and PIX4D was more accurate. So again, you know, if if I'm going to be teaching surveyors how to use photogrammetry software, I want to be using the most accurate software by far. And there's still... It's still very clear that Pix4D is the most accurate. And if you're like, well, like, how, how do you know that? Well, I know that because of research. But also look at Esri, ArcGIS... I think it's called drone to map, whatever it is, it's still using PIX40 in the background. Mm-hmm. It's just like, guys, when are you going to learn that if you want to create a long-term successful company, you need to learn the ins and the outs of these systems. It's like why experienced, knowledgeable, and wise old men and women tell their kids, if you want to run this business, you're going to work every position from the ground up. It's because you need to know these systems and the foundations that your company is built on if you ever wish to solve deep, complex problems in a time of epic stress. And uh, and uh, you're short on time. You need to know these things. So um, if you want to be a problem solver and you want to be constantly working and constantly doing things, you've got to be really educated. As they say, the more you learn, the more you earn. And that couldn't be more true, especially with photogrammetry. Um, but that's going to do it for us today. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question, go to askadroneu.com, upload that question, because we appreciate the questions. We've got some really good ones this week. And I know we've been kind of going longer and longer on these shows. But I think it provides a good uh, a good perspective. So yeah, absolutely, and we would love to see more of you head over to to YouTube to watch these. Um, but we will do our very best to keep them engaging for the listening audience as well, because that's important too. Yeah, and I apologize for some of the longer delays. Hopefully, Kirill will cut them out. But um, I do want to say really quick, huge shout out to our production team. We don't never say thank you enough to them. So really want to say thank you to Kirill, who's been editing these shows uh, on the audio side and the video side. Want to say thanks to Guarov for posting the shows and everyone who's a part of the team. Nico, Mahesh, you, Rob, Tim, Hoel, Steve. Steve. Yeah. It's a great group. It is a great group. Very proud of everybody. I love this damn team. All right, on that bombshell, (laughs) that's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, 
inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.